This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is Trisha Bobita, and she talks to me about her love of time travel. Specifically, as it is explored in pop culture, we uh, talk about a lot of her favorite TV and film examples of time traveling. And, uh, you know, that's most of what we've been able to do as humans to cover it thus far. But we also dip into the philosophical ramifications of time travel and why she thinks she's as interested in it and why humanity and creators are becoming a little even more interested in it in the most recent years of our culture. So I really appreciated how uh, deep this conversation got and not just... um, you know, let's talk about Back to the Future for an hour. It was great. And it's very indicative of the kind of things that Trisha and her co-host Greta Johnson bring to their podcast, Nerdette. If you're not listening to Nerdette, just start, just pick one, just look at their wonderful guest list and dive in. It's really great podcast out of WBZ. And, uh, I, I can't believe I didn't come to it sooner because, uh, it's just wonderful. Um, so especially if you enjoy this conversation, please check that out. I have a show plug for the Nerdalogs coming up this Sunday, the 19th at 7 p.m. at Logan Theater here in Chicago. You can come to a co-hosted event that we're doing called Your Stories. It's our monthly show. Uh, This month, our guests are the guys from Tom Hanks Day, which is on April 1st pretty much every year, or at least as close to it as they can get, because who don't love hanging out in a bar, throwing on Tom Hanks in the background, and just celebrating the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Hanks. Speaking of, he was a recent guest on Nerdette. Man, brand synergy or something like that. So if you're interested in seeing some storytellers uh, inspired by the theme, Catch Me If You Can, including some of the guys from Tom Hanks Day, including some of the folks from the Nerdalogs and some other friend of ours, go check out that show. It is for free. Uh, It's at the Logan Theater, so you can get some beverages to uh, entice you into the room and just listen to some stories. I think it's going to be a great night. I look forward to it. Uh, An ongoing live show that I am a part of is every Thursday night, 930 at the Annoyance Theater. It's called The Fishbowl. It's an improv show. If you like improv, you may very well like it. We've been doing it for a couple years. It's great for students because they get an opportunity to play, but I think it's a great opportunity for anyone who wants to see a good old night of improv comedy. So come check that out any Thursday night, 930 at the Annoyance Theater. I think that's all I've got. Thank you so much to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for letting me be a part of all of the fun that entails. My guest today is Trisha Bobita, uh, and she hosts this lovely podcast called Nerdette. But today she's turned the hosting torch over to me on MBSing, and uh, we're going to talk about time travel in pop culture. Because I, I like to talk about time travel. And you wore your Hogwarts shirt. I did. That's just, you know, it's a Sunday. So it's either a NASA shirt or a Hogwarts shirt, probably on a Sunday. That's a pretty f- safe bet. I mean, those are the 
some pro- appropriate churches to recognize on the holiest <laughs> day, right? My mom was visiting recently, and she looked in my closet. And to be fair, like, I had a lot of clean laundry, so I was proud of that. I was like, look, see, I'm an adult. And she goes, how many space shirts do you have? And I was like, what number would make you feel most comfortable? <laughs> Because there's a lot of them. Uh, my mom, I don't think she understood the fact that I have a shirt that's wolves howling at a moon made of pizza. <laughs> but <laughs> she very accepted good. the fact that I mm-hmm. had it. That's very excellent. <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> what would you say is the origin of your love for time travel? I think I've always been fascinated by stories that involve time travel, in part because some of the things that I was a fan of early on, included it. So, I mean, uh, Hermione Granger's Time Turner, I have one of the little plasticky ones over on my desk. Uh Um, Doctor Who, really early on. It's designed. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's got the little sands of time in it and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were stories like... I figured Doctor Who had to be Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I could have been wearing a Dalek t-shirt today also. Um, So Doctor Who, Harry Potter, like all these stories that I think a lot of people are familiar with, I started to realize that a common thread in the storytelling in all of them was time travel and I especially like when time travel gets messy, Yeah. right? So it's a flawed idea in narrative to be able to bend the rules of space and time. Sure, yeah. But then you get the chance to make up your own rules, which I think is fun. Yes, yeah. And, and I think those are the most effective yeah. uh, explorations of time travel are when they're just like, listen, this is fake anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the very earliest stories that involved time travel was apparently just like a clock that you could wind backwards and just go back in time. But they gave no thought really or explanation in the narrative as to why it did this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's OK. Like I'm just as game for time travel that feels like magic as I am time travel that makes some attempt at seeming like it's sciency because, I mean, we can talk about whether time travel is scientifically possible later, sure. but I think in narrative it just creates a lot of room to play. Sure. And I think that it makes stories more interesting as yeah. long as the rules internally are consistent, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't just have no rules, even in fantasy and sci-fi or as a reader or a viewer, you don't know what to expect or how to understand if there's stakes or obstacles because... There have to be some, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes things frustrating is if you're watching and you're like, wait, no. (laughs) Yeah, there can't just be like a get-out-of-jail-free card version of time travel. There needs to be repercussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think are some of your favorite explorations of that within, you know, things that establish really concrete rules that you respect? So Doctor Who, over its lifetime... I think, hasn't always stayed completely internally consistent mm-hmm. uh, from showrunner to showrunner or doctor to doctor. But I think— And you're talking about a show that spans Like 50 decades. years. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and <clears throat> involves a madman with a box who can literally travel through space-time to anywhere. Right. And yeah. so it's maybe— It's not just, like, globally time-traveling. Right. Yeah. yeah. All of space, all of time— And so, you know, you end up with dinosaurs on a spaceship or you end up back in time meeting Van Gogh, which is one of my favorite episodes (laughs) of that show. And that one, I think, uses time travel in a really interesting way because it uses it to try to make us think more about a relationship we have to the present and something that's very real. So that Van Gogh episode, they meet Van Gogh 
in pursuit of fighting some sort of alien monster, which is usually what's happening <laughs> yeah, sure. on Doctor right. Who. Because right. it's this really beautiful, lovely show, but it's also meant for 10-year-olds. Yes. And so, yes. you know, yeah. there's just a lot of campy fun in that show as well. Uh-huh. But so you're seeing this tortured artist who we all kind of know that he cut off his ear. We know that he was probably mentally ill in some way, right, that he was having these issues. But I think for a lot of us who are sort of casual art fans or casual fans of Van Gogh, we see this character brought to life in a way that is a part of the world that we're already familiar with, which is fun. So we have Mm -hmm. the characters we know and love interacting with a figure from history. Mm -hmm. Fun. Always some of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. Why not accept the fact that even though this is a fantastical world, there's still the same things still exist in it as we have? Of course. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate it. In film, if someone's, if there's like a Wayne's World reference yeah, or something yeah. like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we've all seen that yeah. in this reality. Wayne's World also exists. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you think now about Van Gogh and you think of, you know, posters at big box stores of some of his most famous paintings. And you sure. think of those paintings being iconic. And, mm-hmm. and at the time, though, he's kind of just, just a, a dude, dude painting sunflowers or a dude painting the night sky. So true. Right? And yeah. so at the very end of that episode, spoiler alert for this mm-hmm. episode of Doctor Who, they know that they can't really maybe save him, but they decide to take him in the TARDIS and drop him into a modern day museum where someone is doing a sort of guided tour of the museum of a new Van Gogh exhibit. And the actor who I wish I knew his name off the top of my head who plays Van Gogh in just this one episode has uh, an emotional reaction to seeing and, you know, his mind is blown by the fact that he was just in a box that traveled through space and time and he's very confused. But what they let him see for this one moment is that his work lasts and that it will outlast him. And, like, I get a little <laughs> verklempt. Crap. I get a little verklempt thinking about that scene because, and I think it's it's a very famous British actor who's playing the... Uh, docent at the museum too uh, and so like both sides of this interaction in. are just bringing it oh they're just brilliant God, that sounds amazing and then who was the doctor oh uh, that's this was i think this was during the matt smith years i think this was during the matt smith years not the david Tennant years if i remember right i might have that wrong doctor who fans will let me know on twitter <laughs> if i have confused that because this episode to me is so much about the guy who plays van gogh I, if it, i knew it was one i hadn't seen oh and you I know seen, what like, it's well for sure matt to... smith because okay. it's a because uh amy pond is there with them and gotcha. amy has just lost rory to a crack in space time gotcha. so she is also sad yeah. but she doesn't know why because she doesn't remember he ever existed because he fell into a crack in space time <laughs> Um, And then at the end of the episode, you you know, Amy Pond, who's the companion who's new to this idea of being able to mess with the fabric of time, wants to go after they've sent Van Gogh back to the time he's supposed to be living in and wants to see if what they did made any difference in his life. And it turns out that he still ended his life in the way that he did. And it didn't change history but there's this moment at the end of the episode where the doctor says, but that doesn't mean it didn't matter. And Dang. I just, and again, like this, this is, this is time travel and it's completely irrational and there's no scientific basis for this being able to work. But anyway, that episode just sort of blows my mind in the way that the narrative uses time travel to make us think about the role of art and the importance of legacy and all these things, all these huge ideas that I find really fascinating are put into this kind of campy show about time travel. Yeah, that sounds amazing. There's just so much to be said for um, creatives like wanting to 
think that anything they're doing matters or even yeah. people wanting to know that anything they're doing matters. I would hope that you've seen Arrival. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, it gets a little, uh, if you haven't seen the film and would like to. More spoiler alerts. Uh, yeah. This is a total spoilery, like, conversation, so skip ahead. But... I love the exploration of time, and I totally think what you're saying about, uh, like, it being worth it anyway, Mm -hmm. and, like, all of it mattering is, like, the theme uh, at the end of of that film. I left just, like... (laughs) (laughs) I saw that with a friend who had a different reaction, who went, that was kind of all about a baby. (laughs) Like... (laughs) They thought that it made the story feel too small, but I kind of agree with you. I think Man. it made the story feel really big. Yeah, like un- humanitarily universal. But I'm I'm totally drawn to that though of, of of a small story that can reflect this insanely huge idea about humanity, and ultimately is about that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and again, there's a movie right where some of it is sort of the biggest sci-fi can go. Right. It's yeah. these space creatures and all this stuff but that's kind of just a movie about two people absolutely it's yeah. yeah it's just a movie about two people figuring out how to explain what it is to be human in right. a really beautiful way right and that's i like i said i think that maybe just like fall in like hook line and sinker because mm-hmm. i i would prefer a story about two people to like a big uh galaxy story it's just uh i like small stuff yeah and uh yeah. man it it, it hit me so hard. So if we're talking about Harry Potter, yeah. um, have you seen The Cursed Child? Or? I have read it. Okay. I have not had the honor of yeah. seeing okay. it yet. I, I, I didn't. It's a tall order. Yeah. But. I mean, I wish if if it's coming to New York, right? I think it's coming think pretty it's soon. You're coming right. to New York. And that'll be a little more doable. Like it would still be uh, kind of like a bucket list endeavor. Mm-hmm. endeavor to be able to go and see it. But uh, at least I won't need to get a passport. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> which yeah. I don't actually have one. Yeah. Um, for someone who's obsessed with time travel, I haven't actually traveled that much. Maybe that's interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, there's um, probably <laughs> some uh, truth there to begin with. But uh, as someone who loves plays and even dabbled in, in screenwriting and playwriting a little bit in my past, reading a play on paper didn't dissuade me at all from consuming it that way. I know some people were like, uh, but I love the prose and I want the Harry Potter prose. And I was like, trust me, if you haven't yet, anyone who's listening to this, who's worried about that a little bit, I was a page and a half in and I could hear the John Williams Harry Potter music in my head. I oh, swear to yeah. you, I was in the world. It's Absolutely. beautiful. Absolutely, It is so in world. Uh, that's a, that's definitely one of the things I love the most about it. Uh, I also read it and also have an affinity for reading plays and scripts in the beginning. Uh, so I was like intrigued by the idea. Uh, um, and uh, I do think that's one of the biggest strengths is like it totally – and. The way that you can picture the world, uh, or at least try to, Mm -hmm. from some of the way that things are, like, described is so, man, it just, like, makes you scream to want to see it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's an example, too, right, of really intricate, detailed world building, because Hermione's time-turner, even though it becomes really important at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, the third book, and then in the third movie— there's not a lot of other time travel at all no. in the Harry Potter books. It's not like a central theme. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But because this yeah, idea that's why I asked existed. About Curse the Child specifically, because yeah, yeah. it's like the story. 
Right. And and so, but like, you know, J.K. Rowling drops this just idea into mm-hmm. the world. And then suddenly people go, well, if that kind of time travel up to five hours back in time in this very regulated way is possible, then probably the magic exists for much more dangerous time travel. Like uh-huh. this is this is the restricted version that we're seeing Hermione get to use. Uh-huh. But what if this same universe we know and love had time travel? And so like, let's just go there. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. 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 Let's mess around. <laughs> yeah. And they mess things up. Like it gets ugly. It's crazy. Like there's there's some really, they take it so many crazy places yeah. uh, that I didn't expect at all. Yeah. Uh, when I when I started into it, yeah, and it, again, I think it's it's the same really human themes are playing out though, right? Is you've got kids trying to figure out how to understand their parents and parents trying to figure out how to understand their kids. Yes, absolutely. And so, like, we're adding magic or we're adding technology on top of those stories, but that's yeah. a super universal human story. Yeah, living up to expectations and you know figuring out what friendship looks like. Like, yeah. there's so many human moments uh uh in that whole story and which is like what also a big part of the draw of harry potter like of those those seven books yeah did you find yourself drawn to those like the time travel portion more than other aspects of harry potter i think i like that idea in part because i fancied myself a bit of a hermione (laughs) sure in terms of feeling very insatiable as a kid especially, about wanting to learn more things and wanting to have more time. Mm-hmm. I just, I've always wished that I ha- I didn't need to sleep or that <laughs> yeah. I had some sort of way to be able to fit more things in a day, to read more things, to do more things. And so I really liked the idea that, you know, instead of just taking more AP classes, I could have had this thing around my neck that I twisted that got me more time to to study and to do things and, and the insatiable nature of using time travel just to study more just felt like a super awesome nerdy Uh thing to do and also like she always seems so tired and in the same breath that I was like I would totally do that so I could take more classes at Hogwarts because like duh you want to take all the classes at Hogwarts Mm -hmm. but then I was also like Hermione just like flip the thing a little and take a nap like it's also okay to use it to like stay sane and human but that was like adult me who was like naps are important Hermione that was not self-care Hermione self-care yeah Yeah, but middle school me was like oh then it could be in more clubs you know like I just so funny totally associated more time with more fun and more learns capacity to learn and to do things and and so it was always interesting to me the idea of being able to just sort of game the system somehow that's amazing and and also tracks <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty nerdy thing to also be like oh then i could take more classes yeah <laughs> i wish i could go back in time just five hours though to read <laughs> <laughs> yep yep and then now I would also like to nap. Like I would yeah. like Oh, for sure. I would go back in time to do more things and then also to nap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's all she really needed. That's that's yeah, what got I was her like, trouble. Hermione, come on. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. Oh, there's so many kids who are like, Man, I wish I could just make things levitate or open locks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were other spells I was definitely interested in. Having a wand that I could do all sorts of things with. The Accio spell would be handy. When you're just oh. like 
want a thing that yeah. is far away. So many times in my kit in my living room have I said that about <laughs> things in my kitchen. <laughs> yep, exactly. Totally. I mean, and I live in a studio, so it's not like the thing is more than like fifteen there, feet away at any given no time. There are no walls between my living room and yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we live in Chicago. We're not even yeah. in houses. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, time travel definitely intrigued me in mm-hmm. Harry Potter. What are some of your other, uh, like, explorations of it that you love? The most recent one is a show that I lamented just a little while ago on Nerdette that I felt like I was the only human watching this TV show. And then I said that and asked people on and Twitter the if people. they were. And then, like, I found my tribe, which is why I love the internet. Of course. Uh, which it's a Netflix show called Travelers. I've seen it, but I haven't, or I've seen like the the it tile listed, for it listed, but I haven't watched it. So it didn't get the big splash that the OA did, mm-hmm. which I also watched and enjoyed. But I felt a little conflicted about parts of it, and mm-hmm. just sort of like I'll watch season two, like I'm in it. That's I'll watch what I've heard, basically. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people on sites that I read about pop culture, people were writing about the OA and they were talking about it a little more and it just felt mm-hmm. a little more buzzy mm-hmm. and then sure. I stumbled on Travelers and I was like no one told me on the internet that this show even is a thing whoa yeah right like I just felt like yeah, I had I somehow missed it, about it. Mm-hmm. and it stars Eric McCormack Will from Will and Grace right right and then it's got this really great ensemble cast that he is a lead in but it really is an ensemble show and it's, it's a, a Netflix show yeah it's a Netflix original show it also I think aired somewhere in the fall Hmm. Uh, but not in the U.S., like mm. aired on TV somewhere else. Hmm. And uh, this show has a pretty sort of somewhat simple time travel premise, but then it quickly gets messy because good time travel stories do. Right. But without giving too much away for folks, because this is my big recommendation, is that like if you're at all interested, like if you've made it this far in because uh, you're kind of like time travel, like if yeah. you're still with us, like watch this show. You're going to like the show. This is your homework. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the pilot of the show, which pilots are tricky, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like you're trying to establish character and world building and all this stuff in like a very succinct amount of time, super hard. I am amazed that any pilot is good. Yeah, like exactly. anytime I see like a decent pilot, I tell the world about yep. it. I'm like, you guys, yep. people made a decent pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you've ever watched a pilot and then stopped watching a show, you're doing yourself no favors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give it like at least two or three. Totally. Pilots totally. seem impossible, especially yeah. for something like this where you're having to set up all these rules oh, like yeah. you're saying. Uh, but sorry. Oh, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So, so this pilot goes through and it introduces you to several characters who are all very different from each other at first it seems like they probably don't know each other at all and they each are in this really dramatic moment and you're seeing the couple of minutes leading up to what looks like it's going to be their death and you see a clock on the screen ticking down towards a very specific time and then you see them either sort of hit their head against the ground or get punched in the face or something that was going to be the death blow damaging and instead then they sort of have this moment where you know it looks like they're having like a terrible migraine for a second this looks better than i'm describing it i promise (laughs) and then the clock starts to tick back up so it like goes down to zero and then starts to tick back up and you're in bits and pieces throughout the pilot kind of figuring out what's going on and then there's this fbi agent who eric mccormack plays who's seeing a bunch of activity on the dark web about the 
about the people who you realize are all the people you're seeing this happen to, all meeting up at a very specific time and place that night, basically. And so you think that he's just the FBI agent who is going to figure out what these people who are uh, undead, are they, you know, what are they coming all together in one place? So he shows up there, they're all there, and then you see the clock start to tick underneath his like frame of you start to tick underneath the frame of him and you realize oh he's about to die too yeah and so he's the leader of the team so the rest of them all came sort of slightly before him and then so instead of this being a show about the fbi chasing future time travelers an fbi time traveler group an fbi sponsored group of time travelers yes that sounds amazing yeah and and so now you you realize that somehow in the future they've realized that they can travel backwards in time by entering the consciousness or entering a human body at the moment it was losing consciousness. Whoa. And so they have information like the time of death and the latitude and longitude from historical records of where people died. Whoa. And they are transporting their own consciousness from the future back into the body of somebody else. Whoa. So now they each, though, have to figure out how to covertly live the lives of these people while they try to carry out these missions that are supposed to save humanity from turning into dystopia. Oh, that's insane. That their so future they're like is. traveling through people's lives back yeah. in time. And now there's all these amazing ethical quandaries and really beautiful character development and work done by these actors and these writers. What does it mean to suddenly drop into someone else's life? Yeah. And so all they have are the historical records about what that person's life was. Dang, so they have crazy. social media posts and they have you know, anything that was ever written about the person and published on the internet. But in the cases of some of these characters, that stuff was super wrong because in one instance, the guy's parents didn't want people to know that he died of a heroin overdose. So the public record that they're uh, assuming is true doesn't mention that he's a heroin addict. So this guy comes from the future and immediately is in withdrawal. Oh my God, that is Because he's a heroin addict. Crazy. Super crazy, right? One of the and other the women. opportunities for them to like cast all those people oh, is yeah. insane. Yeah, like wow, what an incredible mechanic. Yeah. So and so now they have they have got stuff to do. Like they have missions to complete, uh-huh. but they're in these flawed identities because our public personas and our social media Man. lives are this sort of. A glossed over version of who we are, it's right? Like, it's uh, like so a, a, a long episode of Black Mirror. It, it's not quite as dark as Black Mirror, which I also love Black uh-huh. Mirror. But yeah, it's a little more it's a little more fun and adventury than Black Mirror, which just sort of feels like oh boy, <laughs> a, a relatively depressive. Yeah, like it just makes of... me scared of my phone. Is yeah. what Black Mirror does. Yeah, you can only watch one at a time. Oh, yeah, I, at least I, yeah. I can only I can only I watch one. A, I, I tried to binge watch them once, and I was just like, I feel too terrible about the future. It's it's yeah. it's too yeah. hard. Yeah, I hit a wall. Uh, with social media recently where I was just like, are we gonna are we gonna nosedive? Like what is the bubble here? Like is that yeah. what it's gonna be? Uh the Black Mirror episode, The Entire History of You, is one of my favorites, but it's also the one that felt that's the, the most one I near thought futury. of for sure yeah. when uh when you brought it up. Yeah. That one's good. Everybody watch that too. <laughs> it does feel very near futury. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's such a good show. It's just hard to. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I like Nosedive because like it's, yeah. it's 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 a depressive exploration of like what what social media could turn into, but it has some some hope at the end. Yeah, well, and I think I think it's important to think about 
how technology is changing us and how it's just amplifying us. Because yeah. I think more often than not, right, especially this near future stuff, like Travelers has some of, because they're from the future, but they seem familiar enough with our present to not be completely flummoxed by it. Gotcha. Um, but there are things that I think are really, they're just, they're just not being thought through enough. Like, name drop, ready? When when I got to interview Margaret Atwood, which was like, oh my God, we're talking to Margaret Atwood. Uh-huh. She brought this up that basically, I mean, you know, for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, we had face-to-face in-person communication and we evolved to understand each other's body language and we evolved to understand each other's mannerisms and all these things. And then for an even shorter period of time, we've had some sort of written language. And then for a millisecond, basically, in the scale of, of our own species, mm-hmm. we've had the ability to instantaneously send information back and forth to each other. So, of course, it's really gumming up people's relationships of all kinds. Of course, it's making dating feel impossible or it's making relationships with your friends more confusing. Of course, we haven't had thousands of years to understand this new way of communicating. It's happened in the blink of uh, an eye. There is an an insurmountable amount of truth to that. (laughs) That Yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, at the airport yesterday, we wanted to just go up to the counter to check our bags, and they are like, oh, can you go to one of the kiosks first? (laughs) And we're just like, and my my buddy Kevin was just like, this is why we're so bad at communicating with one another. Oh, he yeah. just kind of like muttered it under mm-hmm. his breath. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, this week of like uh, constant social interaction mm-hmm. and being off of the internet, I think it, it was like his dying, okay, we're going back to back the to only computer mm-hmm. <laughs> interactions with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was really funny. Um, and uh, and definitely along the same lines of what, yeah. what you're saying, uh, I read um, Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance oh, yeah, recently, yeah. and it was such a fascinating mm-hmm. exploration of how that is uh, um, affecting specifically dating. Um, yeah, and it'll like I said, I'm just like so interested in when, like, if or when the bubble will burst on that of of they're just not being enough ability of people to suss out what text yeah. communication is supposed to mean. Well, and I just think like, I mean, thinking about like, so, you know, we're, we're loosely still kind of talking about like near future stuff and time mm-hmm. travel. But when you think about the fact that the only way information used to be able to travel was person to person or then in written communication or all these things that we think of as ways that people are inappropriately using technology, right? Like sending photos of themselves back mm. and forth or sharing things publicly that maybe we're like, mm, should you have done that? You know, like, all of those judgments we're making. Like before, if you took a photo of a friend at a party mm-hmm. who was hammered <laughs> while you were hammered, uh-huh. you would have had to, just like a minute ago, you would have had to put the camera down. Uh-huh. And then, like, the next day when Walgreens opened, <laughs> which at which point, hopefully, you've sobered up. <laughs> right. But even if you haven't, uh-huh. okay, now you have to wait at least now, you know, <laughs> Four hours for Walgreens to open if it's 4 a.m. Okay, now you have to wait one hour to get the photos. If you're still drunk, like, maybe get help. But now you have a physical copy of this picture in your hand. Just one. Just the one. And you're going to look at it and go like, 
maybe I shouldn't show this to everyone on the oh, planet. I should burn permanently. This. <laughs> right. Like you had so much more time. You had time to think about things and make different uh, decisions. Yeah. And now like we're still moving at the pace of humans through space time, uh-huh. but information is just zooming around uh-huh. and we can't figure out how to handle that yet. Uh-huh. I think as a culture. Totally. I, I I am really interested to see how it affects the like long term of like uh public figures and oh, political yeah. figures and things like that because uh, you know, our generation has grown up during this like oh, yeah. totally nonsensical <laughs> time of of instantaneous huge mistakes <laughs> <laughs> shared with the world. Yeah, I don't think anybody's actually any dumber. I think we're just documenting it more. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Like there, that that's true for so many things. It's like the, there's so many things that didn't just start happening. We just mm-hmm. now we have. We all carry a way to document them. Yeah. I mean, people still said terrible things to their friends and threw shade, but they did it sitting in the shopping mall food court while people walked by them. They didn't just shout them at them on Twitter. Like, we're not worse people. We're just amplified versions of ourselves Mm -hmm. thanks to technology. Mm -hmm. And and everything just kind of starts buzzing together uh, at some point. Yeah. well, I got to check out Travelers because that sounds really I'm just really into it, guys. And I want to talk to people about the ending. And I still. <laughs> and you can't yet. I just. Yeah. Yeah. The ending kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Is it? A, it's just one season? Yeah. Just one season so far. All right. I got to I'm going to climb on board. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of. Well, we haven't talked about Back to the Future. Which is perhaps the quintessential Which in American pretty film. Quint. Yeah. Pretty quint. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> quint. Yeah. Uh, are you a Back to the Future person? Yeah. Or is that yeah. Just absolutely. Like also on the list somewhere. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Also on the list for sure. Also a big fan. Christopher Lloyd. I always found super hilarious and delightful. And of course, Michael J. Fox in those films is great. I'm really excited that those shoes exist now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that like that's a thing that they made because science um, <laughs> is really exciting. Uh-huh. But yeah, again, like that's a story where I mean, first of all, that story really plays on the grandfather paradox. Yes. Right. Which is um, for folks who haven't read the Wikipedia page about time travel. <laughs> um, it basically From says that like who has. <laughs> <laughs> that it's a long Wikipedia page. Uh, But the grandfather paradox is this idea, right, that if I went back in time and killed my grandfather, then my father would have never been born and I could have never been born and, like, everything would just fold in on itself, right? Like, it couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. There's causality laws that even if there is some quantum mechanic way of traveling through and sort of backwards or forwards in space-time in ways we can't fathom now, that there would still have to be some rules or it would create a paradox, Mm -hmm. which Doctor Who deals with all the time. but. Mm you start to see it happen, right, in Back to the Future where, like, people are fading out of photographs. Right. But it's this really concrete way of showing that idea that and you it's, can't... But the picture was the same. It's just yeah, the people... Just the person yep. disappears from it. <laughs> uh-huh. My favorite terrible example of that exact idea from a pop culture thing is, and I'm going to remember the name of the movie, maybe, Kate and Leopold? Yes. Right? It's this sure. rom-com. Hugh Jackman is, like, from the past, uh-huh. and he's this inventor, and he falls into a wormhole in New York City, and uh-huh. because he's the person who invented elevators, That's near the right. end of the movie, all the elevator shafts and all the buildings in New York City are, city are still there, uh-huh. but, like, you just open the doors and there's just That's no car so in it. It's, like, the worst. <laughs> that might be is, like, the worst time travel That's grandfather so paradox example, but oh, Back boy. to the Future is a great one. Sure. Um, and also, like, 
oh no, my mom's hitting on me uh, is also, you know, it's like, yeah, Back to the Future is fantastic. I would uh, I would watch it if they just kept making those movies. Like, let's yeah. just make another one. Okay. I mean, like, I don't want to reboot. Like it's a I want of time. I just want more. Yeah. I just yeah. want more of that original thing. I understood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want a new. No. I don't want, yeah. I mean, they're doing a Blade Runner reboot. They're doing yeah. another Kong right now. Like, the, come on. And it, and so I'm like torn about both of those projects because I really like both of those directors. Yeah. But I want to see them make their own cool movies. Like, yeah. I don't need to watch a Kong movie. It's not yeah. my thing. I, yeah. I mean, I'll see these movies. <laughs> but I will begrudgingly see them. That's where I'm at, too. Yeah. Like, I... I uh, it's just, I would just rather see those people make whatever movies they want to make, mm-hmm. not another thing. But, like, that's where big Hollywood movies are yeah. going, is uh, you got to have the pre-existing IP I guess so people see it. At least Marvel's gotten so gigantic in movies and TV that some of the smaller scale characters are starting to get some love. Yeah, it's going to be way more interesting to explore like I can't wait to see the Black Panther movie. Oh, like yeah. but yeah. it's also another movie like where you know Ryan Coogler should be making whatever he wants and maybe he wants to make a Black Panther movie yeah, so I, I guess fun. I can't get too carried away. <laughs> well like the Doctor Strange movie first of all I'll watch Benedict Cumberbatch read a phone book. Yes. But uh I mean watching Doctor Strange get made into a big movie like that movie I don't know 15 years ago the special effects would have made that movie good but like the current moment we're in made it even better. That, right? Yeah, that's like the reason to or at least one of the re- Benedict Cumberbatch Looking at it, <laughs> those are like the reasons to see that yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, and a very cool exploration of time. Yeah, because in this we have multiple dimensions, which a lot of time travel theory that tries to be more scientific, as scientific as you can be with something that's very theoretical. Like it's not like you know quantum mechanics says like yes, time travel is possible, and here's how to do it. It's like maybe if there's a multiverse and there's multiple right. dimensions, and maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Hawking is like, nah, probably not. But other people are like, maybe, maybe. We don't know. Yeah. What's the um, the Mandela effect of oh, of, yeah. of the, that there are alternate timelines because right. people remember Mandela dying. <laughs> oh yeah, do, do, yeah. I kind of like, remember this. It's thing. the Berenstein yeah. Berenstein oh, thing. Yeah, like, I I, mm-hmm. I think the they're like similar. Uh, I think they just um, decided to call it to the mm-hmm. Mandela effect because of people being able to remember his funeral. Uh, but the Berenstein Berenstein is is an example yep, that of one the too. Mandela effect. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, I think it's called the Fermi paradox. Right? Is the idea in in science that if intelligent life existed on another planet, uh, it would have figured out how to travel the galaxy. And so why wouldn't we see existence of aliens here now? Right. And I think there's someone I've talked to uh, who would who would do an episode about that if I ever had them on the show. Oh. So I got to track him down. I mean, down. It, it might be Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> he talks about the Fermi paradox a lot. Um, but I mean, and then there's schools of thought, right, that are either when Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about it, he's like either the intelligent life like strolled up to Earth, looked around, didn't see anything interesting Peace. and pieced out and kept <laughs> yeah. going. Or we are descendant in some way from that life from a different realm. Or, or it's like place. men in black. Yes. Or, or we just don't remember. Living among or, us. Yeah. or yeah. Or like a pug dog that you walked by on the street this morning is actually an alien. Third option. <laughs> 
just as possible. Um, but yeah, and the same idea kind of exists within people who are, want time travel to be real, which is that like, if time travel is possible, then why aren't there time travelers among us? To which I say, how do you know there aren't? Right. And there have been sort of really funny examples throughout history of people putting up like billboards and things and trying to publicize an idea that there's a very specific time and place that they would like time travelers to please come so they could meet them. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, to my knowledge, none of those have ever worked. Yeah, don't say. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I think, there, you know. That is really, yeah, like uh, that is along similar lines, though, for sure, in the sense that like we wouldn't necessarily know if it had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if there's a paradox that's been created, like, I don't know, maybe we're living in it right now. Like, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. I uh, I love how Community explored that. Yeah. With the, the alternate timeline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. With the, the evil mustaches. And the, the darkest timeline, yeah. <laughs> I believe, is how yep, they. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. And then there are times where they end up questioning which timeline they're in from that point forward. I I really appreciate when any show is willing to, like, uh, screw with its status quo. Oh, yeah. And I feel like if you're going to, to manipulate time, that's a good way to do it. Well, I think Dan Harmon, who, I don't know if he still does this, but especially in the early days of Community, he had a Tumblr where he would sometimes uh, take a photo of the whiteboard that they had sort of broken the story on mm. in the writer's room. Or yeah, that he, had he was broken. always like super transparent about his writing process. And I think I remember reading one in particular about just deciding how that would all work, where That's they were awesome. rolling the dice and the darkest timeline and all this stuff. And I just <laughs> remember reading it and going like, this is crazy yeah, and awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love w- w- when... Something will like replay the same scenes and with like variations so that episode and like I love that kind of exploration yeah. of time. It's like, yeah. what was the same? Oh, Gillian Jacobs' character saying pizza, pizza. Like <laughs> that's the thing that stayed the same across all mm-hmm. the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> that is the truest thing that yeah. happened because it's in all the timelines. Yeah. Exactly. That's so dumb and hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> um, let's see. Is there anything else that uh, you would kind of feel uh, remiss if we didn't like? Hmm. Any other time loop travel back things? To? Time loop. <laughs> um, I guess. I guess just the idea that. And someone wrote this actually in a piece that they wrote recently about travelers because a couple people have written about the show on the internet. <laughs> I, so I someone else other has people seen are it. seeing it. Eric McCormack, the person who wrote this article, and me. And the people <laughs> of Twitter, the good people of Twitter. We've all seen the show and you should watch it too. All of the Twitter faithful. But there's so much time travel stuff happening in pop culture right now. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, I think there's even Foxes making a comedy that's about time travel. Then there's really? Timeless. Which is uh, an NBC show. There's travelers. Is there's that the one with the all the promos have like trains in them and stuff. Which one? I've, I don't know, man. I haven't noticed any train the, shows. What's the name of the NBC show? Timeless. Timeless. Yeah, I think that's the one I've seen. I don't know. Every time I see the promo, it looks kind of silly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so like some of them are sort of very traditional. Uh, like network procedurals wrapped in a veneer of time travel. And then you've got stuff like Travelers that feels a little more out there. And then you've got Doctor Strange. Like we're just having this moment of a lot of time travel stuff. And I think, and this person said it best in the New York Times article, so I don't want to pretend that this is my idea. I just super agree with it, which is that 
we all, I think, are looking for, because our lives feel like they move really fast now, I think we're looking both for ways to try to slow things down, to go back and be able to change our present really quickly. It's like a form of regret to be interested in time travel. Yeah. To wish that you could go back and in one foul swoop change, maybe not just something in your own life. Like I think obviously for all of us, there's maybe somebody we've lost or a thing we really feel like we messed up that we would go back and try to do over again. But I think as a culture, a lot of us are feeling that way about something. And it's not the same thing for everybody. But we wish we could go back and just change the present in big ways and in small ways. And so we're fascinated with time travel. I think that's why we're interested in going back in time. That's why you have all these conversations of like, you know, would you go back and kill Hitler? But then like, what would happen? And you don't know. And you could unravel history in other ways. Right. And then we're also interested, I think, in trying to fast forward to a better future. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we're we're looking at the future and we're like, I don't want, like, the next iPhone. I want to go to Mars. Like, I'm not just interested in the next incremental thing that technology is going to change my life with. I want the next big thing. And we're, we're anxious for that and hungry for that, but not really all necessarily willing to do the grinded out work of getting there, whether it's science or you know, uh, political change or other things that we wish were different in the world. We're not, we're not looking forward to spending each moment of time that it's going to take to get there. We would rather just get there. Yeah. And so time travel lets us regret and yearn for the future all at once in the storytelling that it brings to life. And so I think we're going to end up with just as many, if not more time travel stories for the foreseeable future. I believe it, man. There's, there's so much to unpack, but I, I totally agree with you in the sense that, like, there's been such an exponential, you know, uptick of it, it's like you said, that blink of being able to instantaneously communicate with one another. So that happened so exponentially. Uh, we, you know, just spent eight years politically of some things happening pretty exponentially. Like if you, if you look at the uh, marriage equality conversation, I think that's part of the reason why everyone felt so stunned uh, uh, at the political, uh, you know, happenings of the last few months is because we, we, we had something happen so quickly and uh, you know, part of, that probably caused other things to get pushed back, you know? And so um, I think that's part of why we're having so much trouble, like, continuing the grind is because there were a couple of major things in the last, like, even five years that have just exponentially changed. So instead of just plotting through the, like, day by day, it seems nice to think about, like... All right, Elon, when can you take us? <laughs> yeah. When are we going? Are we yeah. going to Mars? I think too, though. And so this is my other favorite piece of storytelling from the last couple of years. And it's nonfiction. And then it became this movie, right? Which is Hidden Figures. Yeah. And I was talking with someone about this. And it's kind of in some ways to me a little bit the opposite of a time travel story. And that it shows you the slow, methodical, painstaking work of doing things and getting it wrong over and over and over and over and over again until you get it right. So I think if we can demystify technology and science by showing the work it takes to get there, and in the same way with political change, like marriage equality happened what felt like overnight, right, with this decision, but the culture had been changing slowly 
for oh, decades, absolutely, right? Yeah. But we like this idea. Yeah, it took my dad a decade to like be okay with that idea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it took it took he would, he would generations of families and individual people coming out and individual families and shows like Will and Grace, Eric McCormick callback. Yeah, you know, but like bringing Loop this idea and and humanizing an identity yeah. for people who didn't Modern have it. Family, up close, I can't up close. imagine yeah. how much that did for people. And and so in but that's. That's kind of not what our culture rewards, right? We like the idea of overnight successes, mm. of people who came out of nowhere and won an Oscar. It's like, man, that guy's been working his butt off for 30 years yeah, in this business. absolutely. Or, you know. Like the John Hams of the world. Oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah, that guy blew up after Mad Men, but he had been working his butt off. Yeah, like, absolutely. Mm. And so like we, we would rather think that there's some sort of overnight success story that makes things feel like magic instead of science. But I think if we show the work, whether it's yeah. figuring out the math to get a man to the moon or uh, thousands and thousands of people taking the step of coming out to their families when yeah. it was terrifying and scary so that eventually the culture tilted just enough that our more political systems could reflect back the communities that Absolutely. we had been creating all along, right? Like, I don't know. I think... The hard, slow work stories are important, too. They're just absolutely. not always as much fun as time travel. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, I really love the idea that that Hidden Figures reflects all, you know, having to show all of the work of that. That Octavia Spencer storyline especially just really yeah. uh, reflects such a, like, sobering, you know, she... She just showed up and did, you know, like, everything right and... Uh, and, and like that moment that she has with Kirsten Dunst's character where uh, she says something to the effect of like, I know you think that you aren't like right. holding oh. me back or yeah. whatever that yeah. is. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Incredible. A brilliant movie. So uh, much homework being given out. You must watch <laughs> Hidden Figures. You must watch Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. And, and you, people should read the book, too. Margot Lee Shetterly wrote a beautiful book. I would love to read the book. After seeing the movie, uh, I would absolutely love to. Um, so I'm going to add that to my homework. <laughs> I like that you're writing down your homework. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Nerdettes like homework. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to hit up the library. It's probably got a long hold list, which is why I like stories like that being put on screen. Uh, um that's awesome. Have you ever uh, attempted to like uh, write or make something that explores time on your own? I I wrote a near future story, mm-hmm. but it didn't really involve time travel, except for the exercise of like trying to, as a writer, think about what the future would be like. Um, and it was actually for something I did here at WBEZ, where it was a, a project where we were trying to think about uh, what effect climate change would have on the near future. So we asked uh, fiction writers and scientists to team up to write near future stories about what climate change was going to do to the environment and then try to think about what that effect would have on human characters that we created within that that That's context. really cool. So it was cool. It was called After Water, the project was. Um, and I wrote my story based on a sort of single throwaway line from 30 Rock that's always been one of my favorites, which was... Uh, Something to the effect of, well, by then we'll all be living in the floating city of New Chicago. <laughs> and so I wrote a yes. near future, slightly dystopian story about a Chicago where uh, the land had been sort of ravaged by something. I didn't really define exactly uh-huh. what. And 
people living on the land still thought that there was a floating city in the lake just beyond what they could see where people who were rich were living. Oh and my so gosh. It, it tried to take the idea of a segregated Chicago and just ratchet it up in a near future way. That's really cool. Um, and it was fun. It was like, a, I mean, <laughs> it sounds so fun, right? Yeah, that story doesn't sound fun. But the, but the, <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> the story is not super you know, fun. Hunger Games is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> the mental exercise of being like, if Chicago doesn't try to, if Chicago isn't able to look at itself and make changes, what's the logical expansion of segregation and income inequality? Like it just keeps pulling farther and farther apart. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what the story is about. But I've never actually, you know, now maybe I kind of want to write a time travel story. That would be fun. I haven't. I should. I should get my typewriter out and write it on my typewriter. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I had a feeling that there couldn't have been, you know, it's not like you've just been sitting on all of this uh, uh, interest and passion for the <laughs> subject without, you're too creative a person to not explore <laughs> it in some way. Uh, that's awesome. Do you think that, that that Dr. Who Van Gogh is like, may, is like your number one favorite, What what's, what's at the top, where time travel is concerned? I think, I think that episode, that, particular episode of Doctor Who, which wouldn't have been as meaningful if I hadn't watched enough of the episodes around it to care about the characters, right? So that that show, I think, is my favorite exploration of time travel. And that episode is definitely among my top couple, maybe my favorite. And then there's one other that, if folks haven't seen it, involves people getting caught in time streams where one is aging really rapidly, but the other is going through time at what they feel is a normal pace. Whoa. And so every time they interact, one person thinks it's been like an hour, and for the other person it's been 10 years or something like that. Wow. And that one also, just in terms of playing with time, just playing with time, mm-hmm. and then thinking about the perspective of the people who built this machine, mm-hmm. who meant to do it to help... uh give people an empathetic venue for if someone's given a diagnosis of a terminal illness, they're put Mm. in this slower time stream so that they can live a long life. But is more time actually better becomes a question and all this stuff, right? It's super interesting. So again, Doctor Who, because the show itself is really smart and has been going on forever and ever, you know, different people can drop in and write shows or direct series and really take whatever idea that's been burning in the back of their brain since they were a kid about what if this uh-huh. happened in somewhere in space and time. Uh-huh. Doctor Who is the place where those stories can all live. That's so cool. And 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 you also, like, that ties back well to the, like, representation conversation. I remember hearing uh, Callum Moran uh, talk about the effect that John Berman's character yeah. had on the, like, acceptance of LGBTQ in the UK. And I was just like, Oh my God! Like it, it like. Yeah. Uh, uh, she also said this amazing thing about how like she gets really exhausted by uh, strong female leads having to have something like catastrophic ha- to happen oh, in their lives yeah, yeah. to like. Uh, uh, Can their inciting incident be not sexual violence, <laughs> yeah. please? She said, "I have quoted so much her saying that uh, can't her uh, or her." motivation just be bitch gotta pay rent yeah, i love that she does say that, I love that. I, yeah, I, like really that good. has been like my mantra <laughs> yeah. since i heard her say it mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. I, I like her so much and i definitely think that the the um 
John Barman stuff like is is such a a good example of of representation and of like things moving yeah. forward. Well, the best sci-fi. It tries Should to just teach that. us about ourselves. Yeah, and it That's uses why I like a rival so much. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it teaches us about ourselves. And it also, I think, I mean, we've had a lot of dystopian stuff, but I think some of the the biggest and most successful sci-fi, like Star Trek, for example, that was has, has been about an optimism that humans will learn to stop thinking that dumb stuff like matters and should tear us apart, right? Yeah. That being human is enough of a connective force Yes, um, that we should all work together and do things, right? Like... So you know, seeing the first interracial better kiss on television, now for a better tomorrow. you know, oh, that's exactly, right. yeah. yeah. So I'm like, and we're gonna get a, a woman of color captain in the new Star Trek. We're th- I think that that maybe we're doing that. We're getting a woman of color as a companion on Doctor Who again. Nice. We're getting, um, yeah. There's you know, Doctor Who has you know, it's not perfect. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of folks who, especially with the Moffat years, yes. feel like Amy Pond was problematic in terms of like you know, gendered stuff and whatever. But that show also has a lot of queer characters. It also does a lot of really good stuff, I think, in terms of respecting the wisdom of age and the wisdom of youth. Like, that cool. show plays with age in an interesting way and mm-hmm. gives value and credence to young people, I think, because it, at its heart is meant for a, a whole family to watch together. That makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of times that there's a, a young person who the doctor, with all of his age and wisdom always thinks that human children are particularly well-suited to solving problems because Hmm. they have not the wisdom of experience, but the innocence of, like, youth. Right. They they are better at things than adults sometimes. Yeah, man. At my job, sometimes the people who uh, pick up on things the fastest are the people who haven't been doing it too long because there's no preconceived notions that, like, get in their way totally they just listen and and you know problem solve like you said Mm -hmm. um yeah man there's so much truth to that uh a movie that that came to mind that i think is worth mentioning in the conversation is interstellar which Uh, i actually haven't seen but i kind of know yeah i kind of know how it plays out but yeah but there's definitely like the the slowing down there's a, Mm -hmm. a big like shift of uh, um, relative time mm-hmm. um, that happens uh, about halfway through that it, it, you're talking about the slowing down and the speeding up of, of Doctor Who and everyone kind of having to um, make amends with that it is really interesting. Uh, it's a, it's an endeavor of a movie and there yeah. are things I really like about it even though it's not perfect. So I think you'd... I think yeah, you'd really, yeah. I somehow just missed it. I realized the other day that... I hadn't seen it. I actually uh, saw it next door in the old IMAX, which Ooh. was the which was probably the way to go because it was <laughs> it was pretty cool to look at. Okay, how do you feel like your love of time travel and uh, its exploration in pop culture has influenced you creatively? And is there uh, an encompassing way that you feel like it's affected your life? I think playing with the idea of time travel in narrative makes me more conscientious and thoughtful of how I'm spending my time. Cool. So I have the little time turner necklace that Hermione Mm -hmm. Granger wore on my desk. Mm -hmm. I have a little TARDIS that sits on my desk at work Mm -hmm. and I have two, uh, sands of time, sort of glass time turners. One's a five minute one. One's a 15 minute one. Awesome. And somebody was like, 
all of your desk toys are about time. Uh, and I was like, and you were like, leave me alone. And I was like, just most of them. There's also a Spider Man. Uh, but I, I look but they at they keep so remaking that yeah, time after time. Yeah, that's that's another problem. Um, but so I look at those a lot, good. and I and I think about them, and it reminds me of something that uh, Dr. Shana Gifford, who uh, was a part of the mission recently where they lived in a dome on a volcano in Hawaii to see what it would be like to live on Mars for a year. Whoa. Yeah, so she wrote this amazing blog as they were doing it. She was sort of, uh, she was both, a, she's both a medical doctor and she was the documentarian of the trip. So she was sort of the journalist of their uh, adventure in the dome. And she gave homework recently on Nerdette that basically said, if you want to be a astronaut if you think of yourself as somebody who would like to travel through space and time i'm just going to add and time sure then think about what it takes to survive a journey like that because actually you are like you're on a rock that's traveling through space right Dang. You, you are traveling through space and you are traveling through time and so think about who you want and this is dr shana gifford think about who you want in your spaceship <laughs> only surround yourself with the people who you feel like make you stronger and challenge you and are good to be around because it's a small enclosed space and it's a long time. So surround yourself with the people you want to. Treat your body like survival in space depends on it. So like be healthier. Treat your body as your you know, sort of spaceship in a way for getting through life. Like, treat it well and treat your surroundings well. And it was just this really beautiful thing, and, and I'm That's sort of incredible. butchering it. Like, no, now. no, I'm still, like, I, yeah, I'm, and That's so, like, amazing. we are traveling through space, and we are traveling through time, and, and maybe I don't get to go to Mars, but I, I do get to do something with whatever time I've got, however much time that is, and I do get to move through space with enough free will and agency to make some choices about who I put around me and and how I treat myself and others and, and so I, and what you put around yeah, others yeah yeah and so in that way I think um, these sort of aspirational campy whatever examples of manipulating space and time are are just a way to sort of think outside the box about the rules about what it means to be a person absolutely <laughs> which I'm always trying to figure out how to be better at how to be a person yeah. is hard. And I think that science fiction for me and time travel in particular are lenses that I use to help me think about the things that are actually very real. Absolutely. That's awesome. An amazing answer. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. It, it's, I love that. I love the analogy of, you know, <laughs> we are moving through space and time. Yeah. <laughs> Climb on board. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really amazing. It, it, there's a, a really uh, Amy Poehler thing that I think is from Yes, Please, where she has a really similar sentiment where she's just like, if you want to do something, then make sure that the people around you and the way they treat you and the way you treat yourself is like, that's number one on the yeah. list of wanting to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is all life or death, and it is all about survival. And, you know, so just, yeah, who do you want in your spaceship? Yeah. Or your TARDIS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, is a spaceship? Yeah, kinda. it's time and relative dimension in space. It's an acronym inside a phone box, right? Right. 
thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Super fun. I'm Greta doesn't late. let me on my show talk about time travel this much, so thank you. That That's what MBSing <laughs> is for. Uh, when Adam did the show, part of it was because Josh doesn't let him talk about Hamilton anymore. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, PSA, uh, <laughs> pod- <laughs> podcasters whose co-host won't let them talk about something, I'm your gal. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love you, and I mean that. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.